All right, you can have a seat. My name is Jamie. It's, uh, oh, no, you're too kind to guest preachers. I really appreciate it. You won't be clapping when I'm done. No, I'm kidding. Hopefully. No, thank you for uh, the warm welcome. It's been a while. So I do want to show you um, what I've been up to uh, for three months. Uh, I don't have a slideshow or anything. I just brought these. And uh, there we go. Pillow. Actually, most of it was a bathing suit on the beach, but y'all don't want to see that. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, now I I, um, I actually did this for uh, better. Could you throw up, Mike? Could you throw up the first slide for me? Forgot to do that. So I this first two weeks back, I've decided to glom on to the sermon series you've been in before we start something new, and um, and, and and it's probably the longest sermon title or one of the longest sermon titles I've ever had, right? And I noticed when thinking about how many negative words start with the word the letter D, and there's a lot more than I put in my title. And I just the question is, what does God say about being downcast, demoralized, discouraged, depressed, or just done? Where do you go when you're just like, ugh, maybe it's bed. Ugh, I don't want to wake up, face the day, right? Boy, this is comfortable. You know, I'll leave this here just in case. Um, Maybe it's, you know, Netflix, and for some reason whoever created this is of Satan, that the show just goes to the next one, and you don't even have to do anything, right? Or your phone, or whatever it is that you're just done. I want to uh, uh, talk about this story. I, I love um, the prophet Elijah in the Bible, and uh, it'll be a while probably. I want to preach through his whole life someday, but it'll probably be a while. But I love this particular story where the super prophet, like the Elijah, chariots of fire, right, that he gets to this very place. And let me show it to you. It's in, in uh, 1 Kings 19, verse uh, 4. He says, but he himself, meaning Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die. Another D word. I don't want to put that one in the title. But that's how bad it is, right? Saying, it's enough now, O Lord. Never said it to God. I'm done. It's enough. It's enough. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. I failed. It's over. I'm done. One of the things I get frustrated with sometimes is this Christian connotation that, 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 that if you're ever feeling dissatisfied or discouraged or depressed or, or down or just done, that you, you must not really be a godly person. And it's like, have you read the Bible? We don't want you to stay there, but the fact is you do end up there. There's four men in the Old Testament that did this. Elijah's one of them. Asked for God to end their life. Job, probably understand why. But the man of faith, right? Moses, greatest leader of the Old Testament. I'm done. I'm done. And Jeremiah, one of our greatest prophets, just got to that point where I'm done. But Elijah, man, this guy's will say, miracle after miracle. The guy that, you know what's ironic is he asked God to kill him and he's one of two people that God didn't let die. <laughs> he brings him up in chariots of fire, right? But, but he gets to this point under a broom tree. And, and, and I wonder how many of you might be somewhere on that spectrum. Maybe not done. Maybe not just like, I'm out. Although maybe you are. And we're real good at going, yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing great. And we lie to ourselves more than anybody else. I'm good. I'm good. And, and not letting God work on our heart. Maybe you're on the spectrum somewhere there. What does God have to say about that? And maybe you're not, but ta you know, pack this away a little bit because we all know how life goes. You will. You will. 
So that's what we're going to see. What does God say about that? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this weekend, just personally, to be back with my church family, whom I've missed so much. Lord, I'm grateful for that time that they gave me um, and what you did, but I'm really grateful to see everyone remember just um, how many good people and, and people who love you that are in my life praying for me and being such an encouragement. That's from you, and I give you the glory for it. I pray you'd bless today. I know you've already blessed our worship time and prayer time, but I just pray this time in the Word. I especially pray, Lord, for anyone who is feeling that way, that they're under a broom tree in their own life, and they're just not sure there's answers. Lord, I ask for you, through not through my words, but through your Spirit, to bless and to care for and to love well so that they might get back into the fight that you've called them to. We give the glory to your name, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, I don't have a ton of time, of course, but I just wanted to, I do want to take a moment to thank all of you. Uh, man, just the things, just tracking, especially being back and seeing all that you did while I was away. I, I did get my prayer, but I'm a little worried that you don't need me at all. But uh, you did so much. It wasn't just a placeholder, and it was so much of you doing so many different things the last few months and continue to. Um, Really grateful for our elders for leading and not just saying, well, when Jamie comes back, um, they did an amazing job. I'm grateful for our staff, our paid and unpaid, those who are in a lot of important positions. Uh, all that, that you did uh, last few months has just been amazing. Um, especially grateful for those who preached. Josh did a great job. Greg, Darren, as always, absolutely. Yep. But especially, they're not here, so I won't tell them you clap for them. Um, but especially, of course, Bob, he, uh, uh, he was here at the 9, but he's taking this week off, so don't bother him, okay? He's tired. He uh, doesn't want to turn into that cranky old man he preached against last week, if you were here. So. Uh, but I really, really great. I, I would not have left for as long as I did if I didn't know that you would be in great hands with, with him. So if uh, you've come to our church in the last three months, I'm sorry in advance um, that you get me. Uh, I am an acquired taste, so give me more than just this weekend, all right? Uh, so as, as we look at this story together, um, I just call him Elijah, a depressed super prophet. He's a super prophet. I mean, they're all super, right? They're called a God, but this, like you see, I'm not going to, you know, uh, he, he's essentially, they tell you where he's from in 1 Kings, and then he just goes up to the worst king that's ever been, sticks a finger in his face. It doesn't say that, but that's how I picture it, so bear with me, right? And just starts to go at him. Like, who does that? Elijah does. And the last time we see him, he's heading to heaven in chariots of fire, right? Elijah. We see miracle after miracle, and yet he ends up under a broom tree saying, God, kill me. I'm done. I'm done. So we want to make sure we're in context, right? Have to be. What happened to get Elijah to this point? He's, he's in the north, and if you know the history, the, God obviously leads his people uh, of Israel out of, out of Egypt, out of slavery. They get in the promised land. He's got 12 tribes, and eventually they ask for a king, which wasn't a good idea. They're united into those 12 tribes under a, one king for three kings. Solomon dies. Civil war breaks out. Now there's two kingdoms. There's the ten tribes of the north where Elijah will be and the two tribes of the south, Judah, uh, uh, and, and, and each one have kings. And most of the time those kings are terrible, right? Most of the time they're absolutely terrible. But every once in a while the south had a few good ones. 
But Elijah gets called, it's just, and what's beautiful about the story is it's constantly saying, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, and he did it. And so he goes to Ahab, this, this, this king, and he sticks his finger in his face, and he says, hey, you got to knock it off, and this is what's going to happen. But why is, he, why is God so mad? Because Ahab was so wicked, and, and he got even more wicked because, well, he married a woman named Jezebel. Now, some of you don't even know the Bible, and you're like, I know Jezebel's not something I'm going to name my daughter. This is why. She was wicked, and she helped lead all of Israel, for the most part, to worship the god, the false god, Baal. Baal was a storm god, which is very important to this story, because he was supposed to be in charge of rain. And he was in charge, he was kind of their Zeus, right? Like he would judge, and he was like, if you needed water, you prayed to Baal. And so they, they were praying to Baal. So he, he said to Ahab, hey, the Lord said, until I pray, there will be no more rain. In other words, you pray to Baal, see how it goes. So the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. He goes to a brook, so during the drought he can drink. And birds, these ravens, bring bread and meat to him every day. Like, I don't know if there was like a raven menu, you know. I'll take a filet today. Anybody got, you know, a beef stew or whatever. I don't know. But it was amazing. He's watching this miracle. There's a drought at his word. There is birds feeding him at his word. The brook dries up. And so the Lord of the Lord comes to him and says to go to this widow and, and ask her for bread. And he does. And she's like, well... <laughs> I was about to make the last meal for me and my son, and we were going to then die because it's a drought. And he says, trust the Lord. Feed me. We'll be good. She does. And then there's just still more bread. And it never runs out throughout the whole drought. Imagine that. Endless supply of food. The way groceries cost these days, that would be great. Right? The cupboard. Oh, no. It's empty. No, it's just kept coming. And so then the widow's son dies. Elijah prays. Right? Elijah prays. And her son rises to life. I mean, imagine if that's your life, right? You pray, there's a drought. Birds are feeding you. You're raising dead kids to life, right? Then it's time. The word of the Lord comes to him, go challenge Ahab. He comes. Ahab is furious. There's been a drought for three years, right? And, and so he's just like, you troubler of Israel. Are you kidding me? And, right? and they're face to face. He's like, it's time to have it out. You get all of the prophets of Baal, 450 of them. I'll get me. And we'll see which God will bring fire from heaven, and we'll put a sacrifice on an altar, a bull. And so 450 prophets of Baal, they do it. They're dancing around. They're cutting themselves. They're, they're going crazy, praying for Baal to do something. If you know the story, Elijah does not sit quietly by. He mocks them. He says, what's the matter? Is Baal on the toilet? <laughs> now, it says relieve himself in your Bibles, but that's what it means. Is he on vacation? Is he asleep? Right? And they're like, ah, nothing. And of course, Elijah, if you know the story, he puts the sacrifice, he soaks it with water so there can be no mistake. He prays, the Lord zaps that thing so it's not even nothing left. And all of Israel goes, we're on his team now, <laughs> as you would as well. And he has them kill all 450 prophets of Baal. Now imagine you're Elijah, right? Drought. Birds feeding you, right? Like dead kid to life, like, like brings fire from heaven. And now you're standing in victory. Surely everyone, including Jezebel, will see. But then he gets a note from a woman. Ladies, you have a lot of power. You know that. Jezebel says you're going to be dead by this time tomorrow. And Elijah, 
who so often followed the word of the Lord looks at this note and not thinking, huh, I'm not afraid of you, some queen. He sees it and he runs. He runs as far south as he could go. And he, and he even he has one servant who I just think was just faithful to him. was like, come on, I'm not going to leave your side. And probably encouraging him and praying for him and all that stuff when you're depressed you don't want. And, 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 and he just like leaves him and goes another day's journey, sits under the broom tree, and that's where we find him. I'm done. It's over. I've failed. I've failed. And so what does God have to say about it? What does God have to say to you? Because I wonder how many here, again, just might be somewhere on that spectrum of just, I'm done. It just isn't working. I don't want it. I'm tired. I'm done trying. What does God say? Well, he asks to die, and this is what happens. He lay down and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. I love that angel, right? Have good food. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and lay down again. Pastor Josh told me that I should say that's angel food cake. (laughs) You actually thought that was funny? I told Rich Gordon about it, and Rich said, tell, yeah, but tell it was Joshua. It's a devil's food cake. So, it's, you know, <laughs> they're having competitive uh, dad jokes, so I'm just going to stay out of it. But so, so this is, a, it keeps going. It says, and the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. For the journey, this is important, the journey is too great for you, for you on your own. It's too great. And he rose, and he ate, and he drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. That, by the way, is Mount Sinai. It's another name. And most people know their geography. I'm just trusting them because I'm not a geography student. Well, that should have taken like at least half the time. So 40 days is a very symbolic number. This is the mountain where God met uh, Moses. He's going to meet Elijah. But I also sort of picture this depressed prophet going like a teenager. Trying, you're trying to get to leave to go to church, you know. It's funny, but when you're going to somewhere you want to go, it's a little bit quicker, right? But he's just done, right? So, so first, I just, I don't know if it's the big point, but it may be the one you need. And that is, see, God had every right to say, Elijah, what's the matter with you? Stop whining, get up, get back in the fight. What's wrong with you? Every right. No one could question him if he did it. Sometimes God does do that. I don't want you, if, if, if this is you, and, and you just quite frankly been lazy for a long time, and saying, I'm just tired. Look, you can't rest for years, okay? There is Sabbath, but then there is laziness and disobedience. And so don't let this be your excuse, but if you're like, ugh, let this minister to you. Because God didn't do that to Elijah. He sent an angel to say, eat, sleep, rest. Come to this mountain and meet me there. Before you go back to where I've called you, like, I want you to meet me. And so that you can know that the Lord God who you serve, if that's you, he cares about you that much. Right? So, so the first step for, for us sometimes is, is simply that, right? It's you got to come into the presence of God to trust in the mercy and care of God. So there's time of rest, and that may include vacation, but, but it's different. It's not a rest from God. It's a rest with God. Do you get the difference? 
Right? So we often, as human beings, we're like, I'm just going to leave that all behind. I'm going to go over here and do whatever I want and rest. That just is leading you worse, uh, further and further down the pit. You, you, you have to say, yes, but in his word. Put your favorite hymn or, or praise song on. Put, pray. Like, not reading his word to conquer something for your next lesson, but to just enjoy him. Let him take care of you. Because here's the thing he's ministering, I think, to Elijah. He's like, hey, I didn't call you because you're cool. I didn't call you Elijah because uh, I need you. I call Elijah because I want you. It's a big difference. Like, he, he called Jamie not because he needs me, because he wants me. You too. Like, you need to pause on that. Because there's a lot of reasons you're unwantable. I know it. Me too. First thing I said after I finally surrendered to Christ was, I have no idea, Jesus, why you want me. But you got me. And it's been a constant. I wish I was, I've been killing it ever since. But you know how many broom trees I've been under since then? That was college. I wish I was further along. How many times you need to remind me, Jamie, I'm, I'm, I'm not calling you to do something for me. I'm calling you to be in my presence. I don't need you. I want you. So what he needs to do is what you may need to do is just come into his presence again. Let him care for you. Let him uh, show his mercy and love to you. Because you're buying the lies, as we'll see, of the world, and you feel like you are either unwantable or God doesn't care, and you're believing that lie, and it is a lie from the pit of hell. And so he rests, but then he ends up at the mountain to meet with God. And he dragged his feet. He eventually gets there. And he came to a cave and he went back to sleep. <laughs> and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And I love this. It said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> I mean, my first thing was you told me to come here, you know. But that's not what he means. So it's the same question I want you to let God ask you right now. Not what are you doing here in church, Okay. But maybe that's the question, but more likely, it's, it's what are you doing right now in your situation? It could be an excellent situation, man. You could be thriving and praise God for that. So you should still ask that because we can start believing our own hype. My marriage is great because of me. Or, or my ministry is going great because I, because I, because I. It's very easy to start taking credit for the results. It was God's. So you got to say, I'm in a good spot, but why? And keep reminding yourself so you stay there. Plus, eventually, you will feel done. But if you're anywhere on that spectrum, the question is, from God, what am I doing here? That's a question that takes a while to wrestle. We like to, I don't want to think about it. But we need to look, I don't know, what am I doing here? It's a check in with your, your heart. Elijah, why did you run away? Why are you way down here when I've called you to still be in the fight? What's going on? He's got, it's not like he doesn't know the answer. He's asking the question, so you ask it. So you start getting at what's behind all of this, behind our fear. Because if you notice, Elijah, up till that point, had followed the word of the Lord. Now he's following the word of fear, the word of frustration, the word of it's not working out for me. And so Elijah's going to give him an answer. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Here's how it happens. It happens to us too. 
is most of what he says there is absolutely true. About Israel, the pro- like, it's true, right? But he smuggles in and believes a little lie that tears it all down. That lie is, are you familiar with your uh, Winnie the Pooh theology? I'm going to do something you should never do. Okay? He does a combination of Tigger and Eeyore, which is crazy. How's that even happened? If you remember Tigger, I'm the only one. I'm the only Tigger. I do a terrible Tigger voice. Just forgive me, okay? And, and yet he says it in the Eeyore voice. I'm the only one. I'm the one who cares. I'm the only one who's trying to do anything. How easy do we get there, right? I'm the only pastor. We're the only church. I'm the only family. Like, like, no, you're not, Elisha. And that's what he's going to have to tell him. You're right. It's a remnant. But he's going to tell him there's 7,000 that haven't bowed to Baal in Israel. There's 100 prophets hidden in a cave. There's, there's Elisha who you're about to meet. There's like, like, you are not by yourself. But see, here's what happens. You believe the lie. You get isolated and you start constantly thinking, yo, I'm it and it's over. I'm done. So the Lord decides to meet him there, right? And he says to, to him, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And if you're familiar with the story, I've read it many, many times. It's the first time I noticed Elijah doesn't do that. Like I remember seeing like a children's depiction of it, and he comes out and he stands there. But he, at least that I read it, he's not doing that until the end. He's still asleep in the cave, or trying to. He says, behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. In Hebrew, it's really hard to translate. It's like an almost soundless sound. That's, I don't know what that means. But I think what it means is it's the most insignificant smallest sound ever. That's where the Lord was. So it's at that point. <laughs> and when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? When God asks a second time, you better start answering it, right? What's he doing in that, though, right? Like, what, what, what message with this awesome object lesson of earthquake and fire and wind, what's he saying to Elijah in that? I think what he's saying, I think, I think what the message is, whether Elijah's getting it or not, I want us to get it, is he's saying, you, you, You're the super prophet. You've seen mountaintops, you've seen miracles, you've seen amazing things. And I was in those things, the earthquakes, the fires, right? But I'm also in the lowest of low places. I'm in the smallest of little, tiny, mundane seconds of your life. I'm with you, Elijah. I've been with you in the big. I'll be with you in the small. I'm ever present with you. And if the world comes at you, and even if you are alone, which you're not, but even if you are, and everyone else be against you, I am for you. I am with you. Why are you running in fear? I'm with you. That's the message. She says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Yes, it's scary. Yes, it's a lot. I'm with you. I'm with you. And so Elijah, you know, if this was a Hollywood movie, he'd be like, yes, Lord. Absolutely. I'm ready. Right? He'd be like, oh, what a great ending. Right? But instead, this will look very familiar to you. <laughs> he says the exact same thing. 
And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So if you have someone in your life who's very down, and you've been trying and trying, and you feel like you can't get through them, forgive your, you know, give yourself a break. Even the Lord's having trouble here. Because when someone's in that place, it's hard. It's a hard place. Be with them. Just, just stay present. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's just that some people can, it can get really hard. It's not a two-hour movie where everything concludes and it's beautiful. It's, life's messy and hard and, and we need each other to, to, to hang there even when it seems like it's gone on too long. And so the Lord finally responds here and he says, okay. The Lord said to him, go, return. You've rested, you've had your food, you've met me, I've explained some things to you, now get back in the fight. And I won't put it out there, but he says, you can anoint a couple of kings, you're going you're gonna, to um, go find this guy named Elisha, who will be your protege. I mean, it's always been confusing to me. I wish that his name could have been Sam or something like that. <laughs> Elijah, Elisha, who's, you know, all that, but it's Elisha, what are you going to do? And, 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 and so you're not alone, you got Elisha. Yeah, and, and then he goes on, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll put this up. He says, yeah, I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You aren't alone, Elijah. There is others out there, and they are with me, and they are going to be with you. Get back in the fight. Return. Get back in. That's his, his, his message. Go. Return. Maybe you don't want to hear that today, and I get it. Maybe you need that first point. You just... You need to take time not to rest from God, but rest with God in his word. Let him take care of you. Sabbath is a good thing. But I want you to know, while you do that, this is the ultimate result. Get back in the fight where the word of the Lord calls you to. You don't stay gone, right? You get back in. That's the goal. And so what I want to just tell you is this. When I look at the story of Elijah and I look at the story of the Bible, there's this, this, this lie and, and, and to watch out for it. And that's actually an acronym, and it's a pretty terrible acronym. I'm not good at them, even with three months off. It's not good. But I want you to remember it because I see this as a pattern. You see, because um, while all this is happening, you have a spiritual enemy. A demonic, satanic enemy who hates God, hates people who are trying to follow God, hates people trying to trust in the word of God, and certainly hates people who are preaching the gospel to anyone who will listen. And so everything underneath what's happening to you day to day, there's a greater story and a greater struggle happening. And I see it all the time. You look at the story of Adam and Eve, right? What happened? So, so lie is this, right? The, the reason it's a bad acronym is the first letter L actually stands for lie. That there is a lie, sometimes that, that the enemy has given you, but sometimes it's just the world and the enemy takes advantage of it. And the lie that, that Elijah is, I'm it, I'm the only one, and it's failed, and forget it. Right? And, 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 and we believe the lie. Then there's isolation. Right? We, we recede from God, from his people, and we get alone, or we, get, like, we isolate. That's what he's done. And then there's entice, right? To make it worse. Could have been tempt, but to entice you to go where God doesn't want you. That happens. If you look at Adam and Eve, right, they were isolated from the presence of God while they were being enticed, right? And then the lie, right, was, hey, you can be like God. Eat the fruit, entice. Jesus in the New Testament, the enemy thought he was isolated. 
He had the spirit with him, thankfully. But when you're hungry, thirsty, tired, what happens? You're prone. You're tired. And so all the lies of you can have all of this if you would just bow down to me, enticing you. You see, the thing about this, this isn't a progression, lie, isolation, entice. It sometimes happens in reverse or sometimes happens together, right? While you're isolated, you believe the lies more, and therefore the sin happens a lot easier. While maybe you give in to an enticement and then you feel shame and you don't want to be known, so then you isolate yourself and then you more easily believe the lie, right? So look at this progression, right? Lie. What? Th- th- this world is a barrage of lies to us, right? You have to, uh, you, you, you have to weigh under 100 pounds or big, big in muscle, depends on your gender, right? You, you, you have to have that makeup. You have to have that sex or that fulfillment or that, and that's just at the grocery line, all right? Like whatever the news channel's telling you or whatever the Netflix or whatever the, 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 the TikTok or, or, or Facebook or Instagram, whatever, it's constant, constant, constant. We talk about this all the time, right? The world is saying, if I just have, and the younger you are, man, the more you think, no, 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 but I got it. If I get enough money, a sweet wife or husband, I get, I get a good job, I'm going to make it in life. And you're going to think that mirage is true. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have those things, but they will never satisfy your soul. And the older we get, we still think, if I just have more of what hasn't worked, it will work. It's insane, but we do it because it's a lie. So maybe the lie is God's not working, right? What are the lies you basically think? Well, the results aren't the way I want and that's maybe how you are. So you're like, I know what he says about my sexuality. I know what he says about my marriage. I know, but I don't care. And then you isolate yourself, right? Because that's what happens secondly. Because if I want to believe the lie, I isolate. Not necessarily by myself like Elijah, but isolate myself with other people who think the same way and will say, oh, you're fine. You're fine. Keep doing what God doesn't want you to do. It's fine. Don't listen to those, you know, those, you know, I, I love that. It's like, I'm not going to church. Why? Because you're all hypocrites. Good, welcome, you are too. I am not. Oh, no, you've never projected something fake that to make the world believe about you that wasn't true? Well, yeah, we all do it. We're, we're a work in progress. And if anyone ever tells you they're not, well, then that, that's hypocrisy, right? But, but we isolate, we isolate. We want to believe that and, and, and have people that applaud us for that lie. Or just in our own head, in our own head. You have to be so careful about isolating yourself. So, so if, if, if you're believing the lie, what's always combating lies? Truth, right? God's truth. If Elijah had listened to the word of the Lord and not the word of Jezebel, it would have been a lot better off. You cannot untether yourself from God's word, despite what some pastors say these days. You have got to be in God's truth because, and I'm saying, like me, I have to be in every day because even uh, we are so prone to putting it down, isolating ourselves, and then believing the lies of the enemy. And so you need his truth. You need to be around his truth. You need to open his truth, memorize his truth, sing his truth, be around his truth to combat the lies. Isolation, you just got to, even though there's times where you don't want to, you have to find your crew of people who love Jesus and will love you through it all. 
It's not going to be everyone in this room. But you got to find, and you can't, I don't want to talk to them. They're just going to pray for me and encourage me to read my Bible. (laughs) I've been there. I'll be the first to admit, oh, yeah, I know, I know. I just want to be a miserable sinner today, right? And, And yet you need those people. No, 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 no. Love you, Jamie. Get back. Get back. Get back. Don't isolate. And lastly, entice. Heck, I mean, you'd think, because some of you are like, oh, you're a pastor. It's easy. You're around God's people. I know so many pastors. You know some? They've, they have done exactly this. They've isolated themselves where they're up here and you're there. <laughs> they believe the lie. They fall into sexual sin, financial sin, all kinds of stuff. Because <laughs> the enemy's attacking us probably more than anyone else. I need to always constantly remember, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I'm experiencing it too. And I need people too. I, I can't, I cannot be this isolated figure that's preaching. That's not who I can ever be. Because then I'll isolate to the point where I believe the lie and I'm enticed to sin. So instead, right, like get back in. Because the more you do that, the more you end up on the underneath the broom tree or on your bed going, forget it, I'm done. I'm done. So the question that God has asked is, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Wrestle with that this week. Not just right now. What am I doing here? If I feel done, if I feel, why? There's probably some things other people have done. There's some things that haven't worked out, like Elijah, that you think it should have worked out. God, if you love me, and it's probably a lot of things you've done. What are you doing? And you, you might be, Jamie, if you just knew, I'm just, I am an absolute mess right now. Good. I am so I am such a miserable failure. Good. Good. Good? What kind of pastor are you? I'm I am a failure. Like I, I can't do anything. Good. Maybe you'll finally see that it's God who does it. Good. This is a horrible time of my life right now. Okay, I don't want it to stay that way, but good. You know why? Because I know that God makes his greatest victories out of the biggest messes. That's what he did with Elijah. That's what he did. Hey, the, the biggest moment of darkness and where evil seemed to have conquered ever was at a cross at Calvary. And it's in that moment when darkness literally descended that God made the moment of salvation for whoever I'll call in the name of Jesus Christ. The cross in the darkness becomes the greatest moment. You don't think God can take your mess and turn it around? He can, and he will. So what got you here? What are you doing here? For for some, rest in the presence of God. I get it. You're not ready to get back. You need to rest. But remember, it's in God, not away from God. Rest with him. Pray, worship, breathe, take a prayer walk. Like Get around someone who's not annoying you. And enjoy God's blessings. But in God, rest. But remember that the, the, the eventual place is to go and return. And some of you are ready for that. i got to get back in the fight. One of my favorite, I don't know if you know this evangelist long, but with the Lord, his name is C.T. Studd. You ever heard of him? I mean, how can you not? What a name. God's like, you're my stud, Right? I don't know if God said that, but I've used this quote before. He, he said, when I die, I want all of hell to rejoice. A weird thing to say. 
When I die, I want all of hell to rejoice because I'm no longer in the fight. That's how I want your life, mine, our lives to be lived. That when we're gone, like Satan's like, whew, it'll be a little bit easier now. It won't be because God will just raise someone else up. But that's what I want for you. You might need to rest right now. You need the Sabbath. You need, but the, uh, like my whole sabbatical, like that's what it was. It was resting so I can return. Right? Return to the fight. Get in where God's called you uniquely. Your marriage, your life, your kids, your grandkids, your ministry, your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, where God's called you, get in the fight. You're praying, you're worshiping, you're serving, and you're saying, God, I'm going to trust you because you're not just in the big moments, you're in the lows, quiet whispers of this life. Return. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this story. I thank you that that Elijah, the super prophet, who I just read and I say, I could, I could never be Elijah. Even he found a broom tree where he said, I just want to die. Thank you that the Bible, so many people don't know this, Lord, that your word is so true, so honest and raw. It's human beings struggling with isolation and sin and being scared. And, and Lord, this world is a hard place, but you've redeemed. You're redeeming this world. And so I ask for you, Lord, to give through your spirit, not my words, your spirit, your Holy Spirit, to come upon anyone here who's just feeling done or someone who's been isolating themselves from you. Would you just show them your love and care today? That they would, they would hear you arise and eat and celebrate and enjoy my God your goodness. Lord, just speak to them, I pray. Give courage where it's needed, strength where it's needed. And oh, Lord, I pray you would give truth where it's needed. Your truth would shine so much brighter than the lies all around us. That we wouldn't see the lies that this world throws at us constantly. We would see them for what they are. They're just a road to destruction. We want you. We want more of you. Lord, anyone here who's just never trusted Christ, they've never looked on the cross of Christ for salvation, that right now they would just confess you, Lord, that you would open their heart to the gospel. They would look to Jesus alone. Not themselves, not me, not anyone else, but you, Lord. And may whatever you call us to do by your word, it's your name, would receive all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Get us in the fight, Lord, and show us where it is. and Give us the strength and courage to fight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship if you want. Stand together.